Welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Big T. Will. I got the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Nat Marlowe. What's going on, Nat? Hello, T. Will. Got a nice ice cold beer with me, so I'm doing fantastic right now. Yeah, what flavor, what style? Talk to me. What you sipping on? I am drinking the Sweetwater 420 Extra Pale Ale. Okay. And where can you purchase that at? Anywhere or... Uh, pretty much anywhere, yeah. I got it at uh, my local IGA, as they call it here in Fishtown. <laughs> Fishtown. Thank uh, you for shopping, your local IGA. Oh, boy. Fishtown. Always on the news, I tell you. For all kinds of stuff. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm still in uh, week week two, basically, in training. Starting to feel good. The pain and uh, soreness is starting to wear off in certain spots. Uh, once again, I'm rocking the uh, 30 ounce glass of uh, ice water and uh, a cup of uh, tea here with a little honey and lemon. How you feel? Are you feeling more energized now that you uh, going back to the gym? Um, certain certain days, certain times throughout the day, uh, where I became sluggish, but now I'm starting to pick up that energy. It's tough, man. It really is. It's tough working out with the mask. It's tough trying to build up everything that I had up until the uh, pandemic hit. So, but I'm getting, I'm getting there slowly and surely, man. Slowly and surely. That's good. One thing that's helped me, I, I haven't been able to hit back to the gym yet, but one thing that's definitely given me more energy, I've cut out pasta from my diet. Yo, real talk. People always uh, talk about their low energy and, you know, I'm a big believer. You are what you eat. So if you eat like trash, you're going to feel like trash, but it's not necessarily like pasta's trash. It's the flour content because it's so, yeah. you know, pasta is made out of flour and it's the flour that is making you feel that way. So that's why people start this gluten free stuff and the vegetarian pastas and stuff. Hey, which isn't good, but every once in a while, Matt, let's be real. You got to have your pasta. You got oh, to in true authentic Italian pasta. That's, the best thing you'll ever eat. Oh, hands down. It's up there. Top, it's top three. It's top three. So, you know, even you can have it once in a while, you know, but don't overdo it constantly because then you're going to constantly start feeling sluggish. So, but it's all about what you're eating, man. And I've been starting to eat clean again. And, uh, you know, it's going to take another week or two. And then I'll probably be back in full energy. Well, I mean, you're eating cleaner than Joel Embiid. So I don't think you'll have too much to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen uh, Embiid in the uh, Chick-fil-A park uh, drive-thru lately, so, you know, uh, so that, that's a good thing. But, um, yeah, we're going to touch on Embiid today. We're going to touch on Ben. We got a lot We got a lot to get at uh, on this episode. It's jam-packed. And, and before we get to that, we actually have some breaking news. Breaking news. What we got, Nat? So, Mike D'Antoni has been out with the Houston Rockets. Is this the 76ers' new head coach? Is this Mike D'Antoni's job to lose? Well, let's put, let's put it out there first, okay? I'm not a fan of this, number one. I'm not a fan based on the way the roster's constructed. That's first things first. Anywhere Mike D'Antoni has been, he's had a point guard, a big, they get up and down the floor and, you know, this Olympic style where he created the seven second or less shot within the shot clock, pump volumes of shots. 
The 76ers have a point guard that only shoots in practice. There's no way in hell to get Ben Simmons to get shots up in seven seconds or less under this roster. Impossible. It's a bad, 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 bad hire if they go this route. Now, I was talking to someone out west who is pretty close with uh, with Mike, and he hasn't heard anything yet. But we all know the connections that D'Antoni has with this front office and how some of Colangelo's people are still sprinkled within this front office. And it just stinks. It reeks right now. I don't like it. Now, if we had a different roster and we had potential there for firepower off the second unit to go with the first unit, I may warm up to it. But what has Mike D'Antoni won? What has he won? He's been in the league over 17 years. He hasn't won nothing with this. Yeah, his offense is fine. But when you're missing shots, and we know the Sixers can miss shots, we've seen it. It's not fun. Yeah, I don't, I don't approve of that at all. In terms of possible Sixers head coaching candidates, where would you rank him in terms of an overall hire? Would you put him at the very bottom? Dead fucking last. Dead last. Because your roster is not constructed with this coach. Now, let's talk about construction. EB, we talked in the last episode. It's up to him now. He got himself in a corner. Now, if he can finagle his way out of this mess and somehow, somewhere, the Sixers get shooters on this team, then I might, I might warm up to it. D'Antoni, come on in. Sit down. How are you going to use Ben and Joe? How are you going to use the pieces I surrounded them with? How are we going to maximize their talent? How are we going to win a championship in the NBA? You don't he have needs to- another shooter. He needs another shooter to succeed. There's no other way D'Antoni can coach this team to an NBA title or any coach for that matter, in my personal opinion, if they don't get a shooter. There's not many out there. Now, as we're talking right now, pull up the free agents of point guards and, and shooting guards and even small forwards coming up next year and the year after. And I'm telling you, there's none out there right now. And let me tell you something else. If D'Antoni comes here because it's a comfort level for Ben and Joe, that's a travesty. And that's, once again, the front office making a mockery of the situation they created. We have to continue another year with the 76ers going into the stretch and the final hours of minutes of not knowing. Not knowing what direction they're going to go, not knowing what pieces they're going to put on this team, not knowing who's going to fill the vacant spots. I'm starting to get pissed. Real talk. I'm starting to get pissed because I feel like the front office thinks that us as fans and the media that covers the team, that they're, that they're dumb. And don't try to think I'm dumb. When you start talking, when you start playing me for a fool and I sniff you out, my spidey senses is up. My nose is tingling. And that only happens when I keep talking about this front office and this team and what they're putting us through. Now, you got that information? Give me five to seven, the best five to seven candidates. And all right, number one, Anthony Davis. He'll resign with the Lakers as long as LeBron's playing. 
And I said, Nat, shoot, give me shoot. Well, they got him listed as a small forward or power forward. Look at the wing players for me. I mean, there's DeMar DeRozan. You can get him. I take him because he could create his own shot. And he's and he's good off the bounce, off the pick and roll. Who else? How about Jeff Teague? Jeff Teague? Yeah. He's still in the league. <laughs> he's, he's a he's a UFA. Uh, what was the last team he played for? Atlanta. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's in Atlanta since they have um, since they got young. Jeff Teague. That's an interesting one. I gotta get back to you on that one. Who else? Hey, we're going for uh, for shooting guards. Tim Hardaway Jr. Well, it seems like he works well with Dallas. I mean, if Dallas doesn't pick him up, I'll take him back. It depending on how we're going to build this roster. Are we building this roster for D'Antoni, or are we building it just to have shooters? All right, but yeah, at, at this point, yeah, I take him. Who else? Kent Bazemore. Kenny Bazemore. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> what about Drogic? Uh, yeah. I, I wanted Drogic at the uh, preseason when they were uh, doing – actually, I wanted him not only in preseason. I wanted him when they started free agency when they were making the trade for uh, Josh Richardson. I thought they could have got Drogic back in that. What's that? Yeah, Trey Young. Uh, Jeff Teague is still in, on Atlanta's roster with uh, Trey Young. I didn't I didn't know. <laughs> I forgot. I take a, I'll take a shot at Jeff Teague. He's been around the league. He's got some uh, some season on him. He's still he's not that old yet. Who else you got? You got two more? Any two? I got more? I got two more. We'll go back to a. I'll throw out another point guard, Brandon Knight. No, too small. Who else? What about Jordan Clarkson? He's a wild card. Um, he's having a, he had a pretty decent year when he finished up with uh, Utah, I believe. Uh, he's a wild card. I, I actually probably would take a stab at him. Or better so, yet, why don't I throw these two names out there for you? Okay. Fred Van Fleet. Absolutely. Bring them on in. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Absolutely. I wanted Bogdanovich earlier in, in, during the uh, offseason of last summer. I wanted him. So, yeah. All right. You get uh, – Ellen Brand, you get that type of – that's what you're working with. I'm not even going to say that's the type of caliber of shooters we're bringing in, but that's what we're working with right now. That's why it's so critical to hit on the draft and on your free agents that you get when the pool is deep. This pool is not deep. It's not deep this year or next year. So you got to make something happen, man. You got to make something happen. I wasn't warm and fuzzy with any of those names, but I have to make it work. For what ben if he brings Joe. Bellinelli back? Uh, Bellinelli off the bench, sure. But then you're going to then your defensive rotation. We're going to be right back where we were, right back where we were. But Bellinelli, who's to say he wants to come back? It all depends. You know, once again, you made a trade for 53 games for Ilya Sova, who was a tough-minded defensive guy and could fill it up. For Jeremy Grant. And Jeremy Grant's going to be a free agent. Bring him back. I'd like to see us keep Alec Burks in GR3. But I don't think it's possible. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult to do. I'm not happy. No, the more we talk about this, the more pissed off I'm getting because there's not crap we can do about it. 
because of the contracts that you gave Harris, uh, the extension to, to Ben and Joe, the money you dumped on a Horford. Where, where do you see a move at? The only possible thing they can do is that you got to move the Horford contract ASAP if you want to make any kind of move to win ASAP. Here's the problem with that, Nat. How many teams in the league can absorb that contract, number one? And number two, who in their right mind in the league is going to take that contract unless they're going to take? Maybe one, two tops. All right, pull those two top two teams up. Let's look at their roster. After these breaks, you know, we'll get to it. But I ain't happy right now with this, man. This is crazy. We sitting here, we sitting here talking about stuff that should have been taken care of a long time ago. But see, we're also talking about things most common folks and most knowledgeable people about hoops and the payroll. We're talking about things that we knew that was going to happen back in August and September. We saw this. We saw this happening if it didn't work out. And then here we are. Yo, I'm your man, Big T. Will. That's my man, Nat Marlowe. This is Philly Full Court Press. We'll be back after these quick commercial breaks. They say that great teams are built on teamwork, unity, and camaraderie. They say that great teams succeed when everyone's voice is heard, when everyone's included. We laugh together, build together, we lift each other up. They say it takes a lot of hard work to be a great team. So we say, let's get to it. We're never alone. And that is our strength. Because when we're doubted, we'll play as one. When we're held back, we'll go farther and harder. If we're not taken seriously, we'll prove that wrong. And if we don't fit the sport, we'll change the sport. We know things won't always go our way. And the world's sporting events are postponed or canceled. But whatever it is, we'll find a way. And when things aren't fair, we'll come together for change. We have a responsibility to make this world a better place. And no matter how bad it gets, we will always come back stronger. Because nothing can stop what we can do together. Everything's off. You wonder, where are we? When the present carries historic weight, it feels like all we can do is wait. But in this moment, we won't break. We're held together by our aunt who shows no fear in the face of danger, our neighbor who lends a hand, our pop who runs from nothing 
Our niece, who brings peace to a perfect stranger. Our friend, whose calls go beyond four walls. Our daughter, who put the room in motion. Our brother, who broke the silence when we needed it most. Heart will lead us back together. Back to first and goal with all of us on our feet. A walk-off with hugs all around. A miraculous save that has us buzzing for days. A three to seal it as we erupt. Until then, we root for what we've always rooted for. Like our greatest moments. Watching in slow motion. Hearts worn on our sleeves. No backing down from the fight. Laid it all out on the line. That's what brings us together time after time. Here, we don't quit when we've had enough. We don't hang up the gloves. We rise above. This is the city of brotherly love. Everybody, welcome back. Big T Will here of Philly Four Core Press. Now coming out of the break here, you know, oh Nat, first of all, man, just that that beat right there. I remember them days when the Sixers used to be good, and this uh, city was electric. I like that right there. It was a That's year right. ago. Yeah, yeah. Now nah, I said electric. I said electric. I'm not talking about warm and fuzzy, but uh. Before we went to break, my man, the uh, producer extraordinaire over there, said he had two name, two teams that possibly could absorb Horford's contract. Now, Nat, before you tell me these two teams, also tell me what's on these two teams that I might be getting back if this potentially could happen. So initially, my training logic was, why don't you just like just get rid of Horford's contract for the sake of getting rid of it? So. My initial thought was, all right, want you trade that contract to a team like Atlanta, and that way you can get like some more draft capital back, like you did from the leftover days of the Hinky era. You can get some more draft capital and like kind of rebuild this team back up. But if you're looking for more of a win now mentality, which the Sixers kind of struggle with, they never know, really know when to start anew or when to go for a title. They're always caught in this middle ground. And if they want to go for that win-now mentality, here's a team that comes out to me, New Orleans. Mm. And that's a team that I think is willing to accept that Horford contract. New Orleans has uh, Zaire and Okafor. So maybe bring in Horford for mentorship to both of them. And potentially with that, you could also bring in Drew Holiday again. I like that, but I need more. Well, you could potentially get some picks out of that as well. Yeah, but I, I need Zion's, I need I, if I need their guy. Who are they going to build the team around? I, I need players, though. I need players. I need players to fit around my two guys. I can't wait anymore with picks. All right, look, I all right, I get that part. But what worked at the beginning of the season? Bully ball. What should they double down on? Bully ball. What did they do later in the season and in the NBA uh, bubble? 
they went the opposite direction. And especially after that uh, Christmas Day game, they thought they were a team that could just jack up 75 threes every game. No. Like, it, if the way the team is constructed now, like, I think if you double down on bully ball again, you bring in Drew Holiday, who is a defensive stud, I think even if you don't win the NBA title, you can make a decent playoff run with this team. So you go bully ball without Horford? Get rid of Al Horford. That contract's not going to work. So you still go bully ball, though? If you get rid of Al Horford, yeah, and bring in Drew Holiday, yeah. So your starters would be Holiday, Richardson, Harris, Ben, and Joe on the front? Yeah. Because even you said, like, you would bring in Drew Holiday back if you had the chance. Yeah, I would. I like Drew Holiday. And I think his game, I, I think his game evolved. He continued to grow. I like Holiday. Holiday, Holiday should have been considered for a defensive player of the year a couple of years ago, but he got snubbed. My my thought process with that is all right, cool, but I still need a shooter because my weak link is Josh Richardson. He's not a shooter. Hopefully, Tobias Harris can bounce back. Hopefully, I mean we dog Harris because he didn't play good against the teams that he should have, and rightfully so. He needs to be more more consistent for me for next season. Ben's got to get tough. He's got to get tough if he's going to play the four. And then B's got to come out of his feelings. So I don't know how you could double down on bully ball with that. I mean, I see which way you're going with it because you still have a big guard in Holiday and you're still big across the front line. But then you're put, now you're putting Ben in a position where, you know, as a, as a point four maybe – and then maybe have Holiday run off the ball on offense, make the other team match up to you. I mean, it's not a bad – like I said, it's not bad. I, I am warm up to it. I'm fuzzy with it, but I still need – I need something else. I can't do another – I can't lose another trade like we lost with the Jimmy Butler trade. Can't do it. Flat out lost that trade. Need You need something. And then my second thought on this that you bring up, Nat, is – Who's my backup center? If you move, if if the Sixers move Horford, who's the backup center? You who's felt confident. Backup? You felt confident with Horford as your backup center. I didn't feel confident with Brett Brown. I had zero confidence in Brett Brown all season, and that goes back to what we talked about a couple shows ago. Do you sit sit with the same roster and just bring in a different coach, a different voice? I don't know. What? Which way are you going? Are you just blowing this all up and bringing in a new coach? Or are you going to sit? Because these guys are going to have now two more years left on these bad contracts. Well, at least Al Horford is. Which way are you going? We shall see. We shall see. Anybody ever want to check out a, uh, what we talked about a couple episodes ago? They're always loaded on the Philly Full Court Press. So when we say a couple episodes, we talked about that. Go ahead and jump back. Listen to uh, – what we were saying, throwing it back and forth at each other. Because it's always going to come up each show until we see something happen. Changing gears real quick. Still keeping pissed off mode. The Sixers uh, beat writer, Mr. Keith Pompey from the Enquirer, he put out an article. He put out a story on the Enquirer. You guys can go check it out. PhillyEnquirer.com or go check him out at Pompey Sixers. He's posted it multiple times. It's damning because this is what has my blood boiling as well. The 76ers are playing us. 
There's no other way of saying it. They're playing us. Elton Brand is being played by the front office. Point blank. Reading through this article, it triggered something, and I never thought about it until I read the article. The Sixers still do not have a basketball operations guy. Now, around the league, there's a basketball operations guy who was a basketball-minded person. This is crazy. Little piece, little piece of the article. Think back to the summer of 2018 when the 76ers were looking for a president of basketball operations to succeed Brian Colangelo, who had resigned in early June after the Twitter account is scandal, a.k.a. the burner account. The Sixers handed Brett Brown the job on an interim basis while spending three months searching for the next general manager. Key word, general manager, not basketball operations. Their structure, if you're, going to, if you're going to combine the basketball operations with the GM, usually that's a basketball-minded person. So it looked like Colangelo had both. Just reading that, Nat, do you think Alan Brand has both? No. No, 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 no. I don't think he has both. This is ludicrous. This is crazy. And this is how we're being played. Because in the summer league, in July – Back in 2018, Josh Harris said it's going to take a while to find the right person. Well, hell, it's been three years almost. Why do you want to take this seriously? I don't think they will. They don't want to bring in basketball-minded people, apparently. Elton Brand does. We heard him say that in interviews. He wants to bring in more like-minded, more basketball-minded people. And I don't think Josh Harris and the organization will let him do that. Nat, play that cut. You just said it. Play that cut for me from Elton Brand. As I've been taking a deep dive on where we failed, um, what went wrong, and and how we get better, uh, I felt like we need to to strengthen our organization from top to bottom. And that, that starts with the front office also. Balancing our, our, our strengths with, with analytics and, and strategy with, with more basketball minds or whatever happens. You know, my goal with whatever happens going forward is making sure we're in position to truly contend, not just lip service, to truly contend. There we have it. Clear as day. Alan Brand said it. I'd like to re- recreate the front office with more basketball-minded people. Is your boss going to let you recreate the front office with more basketball-minded people? Because this dope don't seem like he wants to do anything. McNair just went to the Kings. Now, what do you got on him? So, Monty McNair has a ton of experience in the NBA. He spent 13 years with the Rockets. The Mm -hmm. last two as an assistant GM after nearly three years as vice president of basketball operations. Taking that experience of 13 years, including the last two, let me remind you, as an assistant GM... Over to the Sacramento Kings. The Kings the Kings have shooters. The Kings have an offense that can be built around what D'Antoni does. But they also have the, the, the same style coach. So the coach for the Kings is similar and styled with D'Antoni. So you're taking the Rockets piece out of their front office and installing it into the Kings front office 
which potentially could have the same vision for the Rockets. And mind you, the Kings get up and down the court, too. De'Aaron Fox probably is quickest guy from baseline to baseline with the Rock. They're up and coming. And they draft it well. It doesn't work when you don't have basketball-minded people in the front office. Do you know what I think the solution to all this is with the Sixers? I can only imagine. So there's a name out there. Now, what what, uh, what I'm initially about to say is going to be – it's going to sound crazy, but hear me out. You need to take this back to the hinky era. And I don't mean tank like it's going out of style. I don't mean bring Sam Hinky back and let him – finish his vision. I mean, bring in someone else back from the Hinky era to finish what Sam Hinky started. Finish the process. Get this team an NBA title. Bring back Sashin Gupta. Now, along with Monty McNair, he was part of the interview process with the Kings. And Gupta has a strong analytical background when he was with the front office with the Houston Rockets, the Detroit Pistons, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Minnesota Timberwolves. And, right. and the Philadelphia 76ers when he was VP of basketball operations under Hinky. Possibility. Complete the process. And it, it's not going to complete the process, but it's a possibility because it seems like this front office likes to go with what they feel comfortable with. And they were comfortable with D'Antoni on the on the bench, and then maybe that's a comfort level with Ben and Joe. They might have a uh, comfort level with Gupta. That's thinking outside the box. I, I would be I wouldn't be opposed to it because it's a basket mind, it's a basketball minded person. And for those who didn't know, I was talking about Luke Walton as the coach for the Kings, who his mentor was Steve Kerr, who had shooters one through nine on the bench. Their ninth guy could get buckets. So teams around the league are making moves to strengthen their front office, and we're still waiting. We're still waiting. Now, bouncing ideas off of people that we come across, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing in Chauncey Billups as back basketball operations. One of our, our uh, listeners and – family friend of Last Out Media, Rob, he said if Ty Lu came in, remember that question? If mm-hmm. Ty Lu came in and brought in Chauncey Bills as the assistant, would I be happy with that? I'd rather, just sitting here talking, I'd rather bring Billups in as, as VP of operations, basketball operations. Him and Let him and Brand handle this stuff. Because what they're doing right now is not working. No one's coming here no one's coming to the Sixers without having the power to make the decisions. Daryl Morley's not coming. Bob Myers isn't coming. Sam Presti's not coming. Dennis Lindsay's not coming. And David Griffin's already in New Orleans. They're not coming. All those high-powered names that I just mentioned will not come to Philadelphia unless they have control. Josh Harris... My uh, Blitzer sports have to relinquish control. You have to let the people you hire do their job. You can't make this a group effort. You've been making this a group effort since 2018. 
when we were searching. And you tried to you punked us by giving us these high powered names that you never you knew weren't coming in. And some people said you could settle for Elton Brand. Or you were going to do it anyway. Nat, play that cut with E B talking about the draft process and coaching. Do you think that is important for the coach to be involved in the, the draft process, in the um, uh, free agency process, whenever that is? That, that would be dependent on the coach, but it, it, would, it would help so that they, I can understand what their philosophies are, you know, what, what kind of players they want to play, where they want to go, but I just can't rush the decision. But being a part of, you know, talking to them about their philosophies offensively, how they plan to use Joel and Ben, um, their defensive philosophy, what kind of players that they would like to play um, would, would, would bode well for, for the relationship and coming into it. But I, I just can't rush this, though. Now, don't you think, Matt, the coach should be involved in that process? Um, I don't necessarily think you should have a heavy role in the process, but you should at least discuss with him what the initial plans are and then get his feedback to see what you two can – Bounce off each other and then go from there. Right. And that's what I talk about having a hand in the process. You can't go to the draft with no coach because you have no vision. You need Maybe a vision. the team doesn't have a vision. You need a vision. It, this can't be a long, drawn-out process. We're going into October in two weeks. Do you realize from that point in two weeks, it's 60 days to the new season? Are you kidding me? Well, we discussed this before we started recording today, and I asked you this question. Do you think that the Sixers organization is just that incompetent, or are they just this disorganized? Well, earlier I said to you it was just they're incompetent. Now, the more I'll keep talking, I feel like they're disorganized and incompetent. And Alan Brand's being played. He's just a face that has the GM tag right now. He has no power, no decisions. And he has to go along with the final say of this poorly constructed front office. Alan Brand said it's his game. He said he's making the decisions. But when you look deep, you start putting together the pieces of the puzzle it don't look like you're making too many decisions, E.B. It don't look like you're making too many decisions. And I'll put it out there right now, because I already put it out there earlier, and I'll put it on here. If the 76ers hired Mike D'Antoni, it came from the front office. If they hire anyone else, Mark Jackson, who's reportedly the Indiana Pacers have interest in, I think that's a it's a good fit, not a great fit, but it's a good fit. If it's Ty Lu, Jason Kidd, anybody else, then it came from Melton Brain. Any basketball type guy the Sixers get as a head coach came from Melton Brain. Anybody like Mike D'Antoni. Billy Donovan, who all of a sudden now, since D'Antoni parted ways, he fell on the list. 
Isn't it funny, Nat? Isn't it funny? Like, what, what, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Now you have coaches out here that can coach. Nate McMillan, Billy Donovan, Mike D'Antoni, and all these names, all of a sudden, he shoots to the top of the list. Last week, it was hot with Billy Donovan. Now this week, it's hot with D'Antoni. Who's it going to be next week? When are you going to have an interview? When is something going to come out that the fans and the media can report hard facts? So I have a conspiracy theory, and it's this. I think the Sixers organization just loves building up suspense to the fan base and to the media. I think they thrive off of the drama. Part of me believes that they've already named the Sixers head coach, and they're just going to wait till like the last possible second. They're going to milk this and just, just drag it out for as long as they can just so that they can build up the drama behind everything, even if it makes them look disorganized, even if it makes them look incompetent, even if it makes them look flat-out stupid. I go with that part because they do look flat-out stupid right now, especially after I read the article Keith Pompey put out. 2018 we've been going through. I, I didn't even realize it. You didn't even hire basketball operations because you gave Brett the title of interim GM and wiped that title out. And you threw high-priced names at us and went with Elton Brand with no experience, just with the Blue Coats. We know they love analytics. Analytics has no business being your driving force of your team. Any basketball-minded person knows that. Analytics is what we call a what, Nat? We talk about it all the time. Analytics is called what? A a tool. A tool. It's a tool in your box that you could pull out and use occasionally. It shouldn't be your driven force or driving force, however you want to say it. Analytics, I'm telling you, there's a there's a small place for it, but it shouldn't be your whole it shouldn't be your whole uh, platform. Crazy. Brett died on analytics. How many times did we hear Brett talk about the high percentage shot being the trailing three? And he wanted NB to shoot six to eight trailing threes a game where Joel B shot over 70% in the paint. I broke it down. I did a show about that way before uh, full court press. He shot 70, overall 71% in the paint, 70, 74.3% right in the middle of the rim, right below the dotted line. He shot 34% on your trail in three. I don't need analytics to tell me which one's a better shot. But the Sixers do. They believe it. They're taking a page out of the Phillies handbook. The <laughs> Gabe Kapler one. <laughs> no, he <laughs> listen. Anybody, real quick, man, Everybody, anybody who, who bets sports, once you see the Phillies go up, take the live action on the other team. You'll get paid out. You'll get paid out, all right? Hey, yo, man, I'm Big T Will. That's Nat Marlowe. This is Philly Full Court Press, powered by Last Out Media. For more information about Last Out Media, hit, hit them up on lastoutmedia.com. We'll be back after these quick commercial breaks. Hey, Vito's. Hey, yo. One, two, three. 
They say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But what if insanity is the very thing you're after? Look, we know insanity because we've lived it. It was us versus everyone. And every single time, we just gave more. One more yard, one more inch, one more hit, one more stretch. We saw our brothers refuse to take no for an answer. And a team who put enough weight on the rats to lift a whole damn city. With a purpose and a drive to make this possible. We the top dog around here. We got, we all need Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought we was finished? Victory is off forever. Y'all thought that was rented? We're just getting started. Because the only thing that's changed around here is that we want it even more. That's why we're climbing more stairs. We're logging more miles, tucking more tricks up our sleeves, and pulling out 300-pound beasts. So go ahead, slap a bigger bullseye on our backs. It only makes us run faster and dig deeper. Because we know that it's third and never too long. That it's fourth and not even a question. It's reach for the stars and drop them flat on their backs. This year, the road to victory runs right through Broad and Patterson. So throw everything you got at us. Because the crazy thing is, this is only the beginning. I'm not even so sure if it's going to be a roller coaster. I think it's just, it, it might be all downhill because they lost to a team that doesn't even uh, have a name yet. The Washington football team is your NFC East division leaders. Huh? What a world we live in. What? <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you. I see it. I see it. A roller coaster season. Dude, what if Washington wins at the NFC East? Nah, nah. That's not happening. Well, I'm not who's letting... going to win it? The Eagles. Are we sure about that? Yes. Yes. Man, I hope you're right. It's, I'm usually in. Us- usually I am. I'm riding with them. It's not going to be fun. I'm telling you, <laughs> tell you right now. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pretty. But let me ask you a question real quick. The first half 
Carson looked great, didn't he? Oh, he looked tremendous. The, 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 you know what? The entire team looked tremendous. Rager looked great. Ertz looked good. Dallas Goddard. They all looked great. And then the rest of the game happened, and we're like, well. So do you blame – Right. So my question is, do you blame not having any preseason games? Do you blame Doug's calling? Or do you blame the inconsistency of – the defense allowing that many points in a row. Um, if I have any option to choose out of the three, it's the second option that I agree with the most. Doug's calling. Doug's calling. Yeah, out of out of those three, because here's and you know what? It's not even so much Doug's calling over bad defense. It's just the Eagles were just bad on all fronts. The play calling. The offensive line, Carson was bad. Zach Ertz looked shaky. Deshaun Jackson had to make some catches that he wasn't making. And the defense gave up, what, 27 straight points? 27 the, straight points. That's that's the, crazy. The only thing I won't bring up or that I won't blame it on at all is no preseason games because everyone was in the same boat. No one had preseason games. Washington didn't have any preseason games to work out kinks. The Eagles didn't. No one in the NFL had any preseason games to work Kings out. So no, I, I can't. I can't blame it on that. The Eagles were just bad. That second half, <laughs> they were terrible. They were terrible, and only we could say that because we're fans of the team. They were so bad. No, we. You don't even have to be a fan. Just the naked eye, you can say, "Like, man, what happened to the Eagles from like halfway through the second quarter on? They, it, they were terrible." It looked like someone hit power and reset on the uh, PlayStation, and you started all over again. Or and you were like, it was the Red <laughs> Ring of Death on the Xbox 360. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I couldn't or believe it. Or for your PC gamers out there, the Eagles blue screened midway through hey. the second quarter. It's, listen, they got to get better. They got uh, the Rams coming in. Rams look good, but Doug owns uh, McVay. And I've been waiting to see McVay come out here, come out, uh, come out east. So you think they pull off a victory? Uh, I do, I do. Doug, Doug doesn't usually have back-to-back clunkers. He has back-to-back losses, but not back-to-back clunkers. And that was a clunker. That was a clunker. Yeah, he should have had that game easy. Yeah. So, although I will say this, that was a game we probably should have. Uh, predicted that, or at least that was a lead we should have predicted they would blow because the exact same thing happened to the Washington football team last year. They had a commanding lead over the Eagles. Well, not commanding, but they had a decent-sized lead over the over the Eagles in their home opener last year. And uh, the Eagles came right back, fought hard, and had a nice little run. And the Eagles, while they didn't cover that game, they did have decisive gameplay throughout the second half of the game. I'm glad you almost, said it was almost like a complete 180 for both teams for the opener last year. It was just the type of game Washington should have had. You know, they outplayed the Eagles for most of that game, and then the Eagles, while they should have held that commanding lead, they blew it. I'm glad you said um, they didn't cover because I'll tell you what, for all my betters out there, don't put your money on the Eagles the first four weeks. Don't bet no house, no mortgage payment. You know, you want to dab, dab a little. Because after what I saw, shit. 
you you be lucky by week five, week six before I put something down on them. Doug got to show me something. But yeah, so come on, birds, let's get this one in one start. Let's get at it. Speaking of starts, now we need an applause right now. Congratulations! Uh, listen to me. <laughs> Congratulations to another individual award for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons made the All-NBA third team. That's another paycheck. That's another dollar sign. Derek Bodner broke it down. He sent it out. Ben's pay scale just went up. A multi-million dollar sign. Oh, man. He deserves it. Ben, like I said when uh, a couple episodes ago, you know, Ben, ben was having a pretty decent year. He didn't increase his scoring like some of us thought he would. But overall, he had a decent year. And the accolades are starting to come in. And they oh, well, they came in. So good for him. But I got to talk about something real quick about the Prince, the Fresh Prince. Sitting in the weight room, taking a picture of him sitting in the weight room saying no days off. Now, the first thing my eyes went to were, Nat, first of all, oh, did you see it? I did see it. Okay, cool. So you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So Ben's sitting in the weight room, and the first thing my eyes went to, you would think naturally were his knees. He had no cover, no sleeve, nothing. And he looked like he had pretty good range of motion the way he was sitting on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. That so, with an injury like a dislocating kneecap, it doesn't take – a long time to recover from. So I, that didn't really surprise me. Nowadays, you never know. But yes, we talked about that too and other superstars who had it. So I saw it. Cool. And then I got instantly irritated. I got like, I got irked. I got irritated because it's like, here we go again. Another video posted of you working out. Next is going to be another video of you shooting in an open gym format. And then it's going to be another video of you lifting weights. Then it's going to be another video of you doing sprints. I'm tired of the videos, Nat. I'm tired of the, the little the little snippets. I'll be dead honest with you. Heard it all before. Saw it all before. I don't want it no more. I don't. I don't. And there's people out there saying, oh, well, you're still – it's a damn shame that people are still crying over the fact that he won't shoot. But he made – he's an all-star. He made the – was the second-team defense and all-NBA third team. Guess what? For all you guys out there who are saying that, you're 100% right. I'm going to keep screaming about it. You know why? Because basketball is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. And it's selfish for our point guard not to shoot to open the floor and the spacing for the rest of his teammates. So you're right. I am going to scream and holler about it. Ben is killing this team not taking the 12 to 18 foot shot. Period. And if you can't understand that, maybe I'll question your basketball IQness. I don't be I'm not on there for for all that, for the for the likes and retweets and have my cheerleaders back me up. I'm on there just giving you facts. And I love I love interacting. I do. But that's the real. That's the real. His selfish ways of not taking the 12, the 12 to 18 foot jumper and not allowing 
the defense to respect him and to bring the defense up to space the floor out for the bigs on the post and have backdoor uh, lanes open, slashing lanes open, and set up a better spacing on the pick and roll. It's all selfish. You don't shoot that, and the other teams don't respect it. They're going to keep packing the lanes. So, as we say, congratulations to Ben because it's well-deserved. And everyone knows I love Ben. That's why I'm hard on him. You got to expand your game now. You just have to. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Now, that being said, Mr. Troel and B. (laughs) (laughs) JoJo, say it ain't so, JoJo. Joel Embiid got snubbed off of the All-NBA team. So JoJo doesn't make any extra money for milkshakes and chicken sandwiches. Nat, Rudy Gobert makes the All-NBA team over Joel Embiid. How do you feel about that? Before you answer, before you answer, Joel Embiid averaged 23 points this year, which was down. Gobert averaged 13 points. I'm just going to give you the point total. Everyone else, go look at the numbers. I saw the numbers. Go ahead, Matt. I think Joel got robbed, number one. And number two, <laughs> man, Gobert must be paying the NBA something. If, you know, he pretty much gets away with <laughs> with the COVID <laughs> thing and he makes the third team. So the money he dished out for, for – uh the coronavirus, which he basically caused the spread <laughs> in the NBA. Yeah. He was, he was ground zero. Or, you know what? Another conspiracy theory. Rudy Gobert is basically the reason why they have an NBA bubble in the first place. So maybe that was their way of saying, hey, thanks, Rudy, because without you, it never will work. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to congrat- We're going to pay you in return by making you NBA, uh, all NBA, on all you NBA 13. Have- you effed up, Rudy, but it all worked out. It all worked out in the end, right? Um, I go back and forth with this. Let's be clear. Joel Embiid is definitely a all-around better player than Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is, I believe, two-time defensive player of the year. Um, if not, I know he has I know he has one definite. I know he's led the league in blocks a couple couple times. So he's not a slouch but he's not the offensive force of Joel Embiid. That being said, Joel Embiid, how does he handle this situation at hand? Because we know he has an ego. Everyone has an ego. Does this hurt his ego? Does this crush him? Does this make him more mad on top of everything else that he's mad about? I mean, he has some defenders, his shooting coach. Drew Hanlon came out and and spoke up about it. My thing is, does this drive Embiid to be better? Because he's starting to become the Andy Reid of post-game interviews. It all starts with me. I got to be better. It all starts with me. I got to do better. It reminds me of Carson. Embiid says the same thing every interview. When nothing's right, when things aren't going the way they should. Might as well get Mark Zuckerberg in there. It all starts with me. I have to be better. Might as well. So does this drive, does it give him the desire to be great? 
Well, T. Well, let me ask you this: off the top of your head, do you know who made the NHL second team for, let's say, nineteen ninety-seven? Second team for ninety-seven? Yes. Ugh. Uh, top of my head, uh, Eric Lindros. Anyone else you can think of? Um, who's the one for the Blackhawks? Are you, th- are you thinking Jeremy Roenick? Jeremy Roenick. And it's only two names you can think of. I, I mean, you switched gears on me, so. Because here's the thing. Hockey's my number one. I can't tell you who's made the NHL first or second teams throughout the past 10 to 20 years. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Leagues. Exactly. I think across right. all le- that is the one – it's the most overblown thing. And I used to let crap like that get to me back in college when I wouldn't win some award or I wouldn't earn some position with a club or something like that. It doesn't matter. Like, of course, it matters to you in the moment because, you know, you failed or whatever you want to call it. But you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I, who cares about that kind of thing? Well, that years is, down that's, the line. That's the, but that's the thing. Now they care because it's a sentence. It's an individual incentive that's put in the contracts. They strive to hit their bonuses. That's a bonus for, for these guys. And real quick, was I, was I right or wrong? I'm just curious. I'll look it up. I'll answer, yeah. I'll answer the Q&A for you. All right, look it up for me in, in Q&A. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, hopefully this – I mean, I, I pray to the good Lord, man, just hope that this gives Joel Embiid the drive and the incentive to be better, to be what he says in his post-game interviews, that he wants to be better, that he wants to be great. He wants to be the best in the world. Because just like Ben's videos, I'm tired of seeing them. I'm tired of hearing Embiid say all that. At some point, it's going to start falling on deaf ears, and my ears are starting to bleed from it. That being said, I can't go into Q&A without saying the East and West Finals are set. And this has to be the most painful basketball I've had to watch in a very long time, at least 10 years, to see the hated Celtics go up against the Miami Heat, who had Jimmy Butler, who was with our 76ers, who chose Brett Brown over Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler said, in the summer, I'm going to a team that I feel like I can win an NBA championship with. And everyone laughed at him. And there's a couple people who mock him and say, I'm the hardest working guy in the NBA. You got to give Jimmy Buckets his credit, man. You absolutely do. He is. Is it wrong of me to say he's my favorite NBA player? No, absolutely not. It's not wrong for you to say that. There was a game that uh, me and uh, a buddy was watching, and everyone else probably was watching, and Butler won the game for the Sixers. And – I, I remember being at this game. I can't remember who the team was, but I know the place were bonkers. And Butler's at the top of the key, and everyone's chanting his name. And I got a text that said, if we don't sign Jimmy Butler right now, it's going to be a disaster. And it sticks in my head. I'll give my, my, my boy a shout-out for that text, too, Mr. Matt Gord. And let me, and let me he, say uh, another thing on Jimmy Butler. There's 
there's a there's a take out there, and the take is oh, like he's not the hardest working player in the NBA because the hardest working people never talk about how hard they work because they're too busy actually working. I don't believe well, that. No, like people who complain about working hard or who complain about being the hardest workers don't actually work hard. Jimmy Butler actually shows it that he works hard. It, it, his success is evident in that. You see it. Hell, like I, my, my success was evident. Like when I was in retail because I, I worked hard. I was the hardest working guy in my store. And you know what? I loved doing it. I didn't complain about it. I loved working hard. So I could probably say I was the hardest working guy in my store because I enjoyed doing it. <laughs> the bad, I call it the Barry Horowitz syndrome. Barry Horowitz was the uh, wrestler who used to get in the ring and pat himself on the back. And that's what Jimmy Butler does. But Jimmy Butler goes out and if with the wrestling analogy, he wins matches. He's winning. Jimmy Butler's winning. So the it's painful. I hate I hate the Celtics. I absolutely hate the Celtics. I despise them. So I'm cheering for Jimmy. I would cheer for Jimmy anyway due to the fact that he's a former Sixer. I like to see former Sixers succeed elsewhere. If they can't succeed here or if they have had a good career here, they go, well, you know, that's – but I'm actually cheering extra harder for Jimmy because I hate the Celtics. I can't stand them. I'm cheering for Jimmy because I just want Jimmy to win. Like the Celtics rivalry, like at this point, I could I give two craps about that at the moment. Like what I just want Jimmy to win. And the more and more I get involved in this industry, the more I realize that I root for players to win and not necessarily teams. I obviously want all the Philly teams to win. Like Obviously, want the Flyers to win, the Sixers, Phillies, and Eagles. I want them all to win. But more importantly, I want the players to win. Well, Jimmy Butler has a cool story. I mean, I'm not really going to get into it too much. Uh, for the most part, everyone knows his story. He has a cool story, and it's 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 his ego. Like I said, everyone has an ego. It's his ego that turns people off on what he does and how he always says it. And repeats it. But just take care of business, Jimmy Buckets. Get the Celtics up out of here. Get them up out of here. So with that note, you can follow us at Full Court Press 76, at Nat underscore Marlowe, and my handle at Big T Will34. We got a little segment we have. It's called the QA. Nat fires questions at me, and I see if I can answer them to the best of my ability. Hey, yo, Nat, let's hit the Q&A section. I asked you the question, who made the NHL second team? So we'll get to that in 1997. Yeah, that's so random. So random. We'll start with that. So your goalie on the second team was Marty Brodeur. All right. Defenseman, your defenseman was Flyers alumni Chris Pronger, and then Scott Niedermeyer, and then your forwards were Gretzky, Timu Solane, and Keith Kachuk. Oh, did that second team? That was second team. Guess who's God. on the first team? God, Lee. Well, who's on the first team? Dominic Hasek's your goalie. Nick Lidstrom and Rob Blake are your defensemen. And then your forwards, three 
Flyers alumni in Peter Forsberg, Yaramir Yager, and John LeClaire. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. And that's 97, right? That's 97. Actually, yeah. that was the, the 1997. Yeah, that was the 1997-98 season. So, really, okay. really was 98. Okay. Your second team for 97 was uh, Froder, Chelios, Stevens, Gretzky, Yager, and LeClaire. Wow. That's a monster. All right. Got me on that one. As well as you should. But go ahead. Also, got another completely random one. I, I want it's a little bit of another bit of NBA trivia. I want to see if you know it. Do you know which notorious criminals are in the crowd for Mark Jackson's rookie card picture? <laughs> notorious criminals? Yep. Are they legit criminals? Legit criminals. And uh, he was his rookie year. Mark Jackson was with the Knicks or the Nets. He was with the Knicks. Okay. In the crowd, New York, rookie card. Are you Googling it? No. I'm sitting here with my fingers over my nose because I don't even remember. I don't even know if I ever looked at Mark Jackson's rookie card. I'll be dead honest with you. But you said it was legit criminal. So back then, was it was it like a New York mafia? Nope. No. Uh, I'm a lot of guesses. That would be my only guess. What do you got? The Menendez brothers. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. Yo, text me that. Shoot that over to me. That's wild. I just found out today. That's wild. I'd have never got that. I'd have never got that. All right, man. Let's get to the real Q&A, man. Stop busting my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, but we like to have fun here. On Absolutely. Really cool press. Absolutely. So what do you got? Right. What's the first one? All right. Is it true that Mike D'Antoni is the front runner for the coaching job? Well, reports coming out of Philly right now are saying he is. We have to wait and see. Like I said earlier in the show, I talked to a guy who's who has spoken to Mike D'Antoni a couple times. He hasn't heard anything, so but multiple reports and some very reliable people who cover the Sixers and write blogs and you know break this kind of stuff down who are in the business with quote unquote sources who have people legitimate people. They say it's his job to lose. So we could go by, you know, we only could go by what uh what we're reading. So I'll say, yeah, it's his job to lose. But if it's his job to lose, this is an awfully constructed roster for him to take. So something has to be done. Go ahead. What do you got next? All right. This one, I think, is a little bizarre. Mostly not the question. The question, I think, is decent. But their follow-up to the question, I think, is a little bizarre. And I want to hear what you have to say about it. So... What do you think of Sam Cassell as a candidate? Ty Lue's resume is tainted by having LeBron, in my opinion. I'd rather give someone new a shot, somebody with fresh eyes, and maybe some innovative ideas. I was just wondering. Well, I like Sam Cassell as a candidate, but he's a rookie. He'll be a rookie head coach. 
And I said it from day one. You don't want to bring a rookie head coach into this situation. Period. It's not going to work. Do I think Cassell could work through it? Possibility. But he would need the backing of his front office. And right now, the front office doesn't seem like they back anyone that they don't select. So, in that situ- in that sense, Sam Cassell wouldn't work. Ty Lue's resume being tainted, that's just laughable. Because we already talked about that. Ty Lue was down 3-1. And I can tell you, LeBron did not coach that team to, to back to 3-1. Period. All right? Just stop with the nonsense about LeBron coaching teams. He has a lot of input. He has, He's a basketball-minded guy. But he also did not coach those teams and draw up schemes, play, set, yada, yada, yada. So I don't believe his team. You got to give the guy his credit. I mean, I know it's hard. Hard to do. But you got to give him his credit. And having young, fresh eyes for this team, you don't want to go with a rookie coach. So what do you got next? I thought the Sixers employed a sports psychologist. Why are our players still mentally stuck? Um, no, that's not true. The Sixer Ben Simmons said he was getting a sports psychologist for his shooting. Am, am I not mistaken? That is that correct? You are correct. Okay, Ben Simmons said he was getting one. I don't think the Sixers themselves said they were having one for the team. Now, building on that, I don't think it'd be a bad idea. Because they all got issues that they need to get out. And we saw that going throughout the year. So, but hopefully Ben is using that now. Along with his videos. So, what else you got? Uh, What was the Sixers organization missing most with Brett Brown? And how does that shape what they're looking for in a new coach? Were they missing creativity, discipline, motivation, or something else? All the above, and I'll add to it, accountability. And a point guard, backup point guard, since Ben was running the point under Brett Brown until the bubble. Missing a backup point guard. You're missing a a knockdown two guard. You're missing a sniper off the bench. A A lot of these questions still aren't addressed. And we're coming up on 60 days out of the season starting soon. And we're still looking for a head coach and basketball-minded people in the front office. That's where we're at with the Sixers team. We're being played. (laughs) We're being played. Go ahead, Nat. What else you got, brother? So the Sixers have five draft picks. The 21st, 34th, 36th, 49th, and 58th in a draft loaded with shooters. They draft three shooters for their bench and one to develop on a two-way contract. This isn't that hard, right? Um, actually, yeah, it will be. It will be hard. Because one, Al Horford's contract. You can't sign all those guys. Two, Tobias Harris's contract. Can't sign all those guys. So they got to create some wiggle room for all these shooters that you want to draft out of the draft. And let's be real. You're going to depend on rookie Shooters to carry your team with with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons right now. Nat, are you? I wouldn't know. Exactly Absolutely not. No. At I'll this let's... point in time, no way. And and the fact that I'm not getting me a a hero, I'm not getting someone with swag like that. And these college basketball players, they haven't played ball. They haven't. They haven't played ball since February. 
And then they're set yeah. dead. So That's seven. another huge factor. You're right. Like, how are the rookies going to do this season? Well, yeah. no one really knows because, like, everyone's predictions is going to be, they're going to be effed up anyway. Because they, I mean, March Madness. They didn't even start the tournament. Tournament never happened. Everything got shut down the week of the tournament. These guys haven't played a, a, a meaningful basketball game since the end of February, first week of March. It's that. So, facts, Nat. Is, who, who knows what they look like? I'm not putting my my eggs all in, in the draft capital. But go ahead, Nat. What else you got, man? All right, this is another draft question. Do you think it is a foregone conclusion that the Sixers will trade the number 21 pick in a package to get off one of their bad contracts? I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, but I think it's possible. It's possible. It could happen. Anything with the Sixers is not a foregone conclusion. We know that. Well, let me ask you this, um, and this goes back to our last question. So do you think because of this draft class not playing ball for over half a year now, do you think that would be a perfect opportunity for you to dump the Al for contract if you're going to sacrifice your first-round pick this year? If I get something back. If I don't get... If I get what I got back out of that Jimmy Butler deal, I'm not doing it. I'll stick with the team and hope for the best. And like you said, double down on bully ball and see if we can really create some mismatches and play real bully ball. But no, I I, I can't. Can you? This year, it's so, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen because it seems like the Sixers are the most unpredictable team or one of the most unpredictable teams in the NBA. Or outside of, like, you know they're going to screw it up. You know they're going to screw it up somehow. You just don't know how they're going <laughs> to screw it You just don't know when. Yeah. Yeah. Now, real fast, as I was just thinking, when you were talking, are we – are the are the NBA – is the NBA even playing 82 games next year? Oh, they might not. Well, there you go. No, like, they who have knows? A- like, are you going to play a shortened season? So that way you have the NBA playoffs come April and then into early June again? Or are you going to do, like, the exact – you're going to have the full 82-game season – and let it run through the summer. And just have that be the new norm. They might do that. We'll see. We'll see. Give me two more. In the middle of the season, there was a lot of talk about trading for Chris Paul. How close were they and who would have gone in the trade? I don't think the Sixers were even in talks about trading for Chris Paul. So, the, the beginning of the season, there was talks of trading for Chris Paul. There were, there were other teams. I don't think the Sixers were even looking in that direction. Now, they might. They should. I would. Don't know. We'll find out. Ellen Brand's on the clock. We knew that. Go ahead, Nat. Last one. If Chris Paul comes here, could he be a mentor to Embiid, Simmons, and Harris? Sure. Chris Paul's a leader. Chris Paul's an absolute leader. And I don't think he'd be a mentor. I think he'd be what Jimmy Butler was. He'd be the closer. He'd get these guys right and then close out. I think the mentorship now at this point is basically over. They've been around Chris Paul at All-Star Games now. You know, they they work out in L.A. I know Chris Paul works out with LeBron and all them. Ben works out with LeBron. So they've crossed paths enough. By the way, I have one more question for you, and it's too good to not ask. You can't save it for next next episode? I suppose, like, if they haven't made uh, a move yet by then or uh, any major changes 
All right, go ahead, ask it because it sounds like uh, sounds like a good one anyway. Go ahead, last one. Should I be this scared of what their next move is? Is that the question? Should I be scared of what the Sixers' next move is? Yes. Yeah, you should be frightened. <laughs> you should be frightened. I am. The article that was released today laid it out. They playing us. Call spade a spade. They playing us. It's just a bunch of old men in suits. Yep. They. They're running a business, not a basketball organization. And Ellen Brand is just a face right now. They're playing us. Until we see something happen, they're playing us. And that's what I'm standing on. Never trust higher-ups. That's Never. It's like, once you go above, once you go above the general manager level, don't trust it. Nope. I'm with you. You trust it as far as you can throw it. And have that distance, too. I don't even trust the wave. When he says hi and bye, when he walks past me in my seat. I've talked to Josh Harris plenty of times. Talked to Michael Rubin plenty of times. The whole front office. I talked to all of them plenty of times. Had conversations with them. Don't trust them. Can't trust them. They're proof. It's it's proof right now. Just follow follow everything that's happened since 2018 based off that article. They haven't done anything for us to to build our trust. And this is why a lot of the fans, and myself included, are really started to get irritated and pissed off. And oh, there was a question that I know we forgot. And my boy asked me, shout out to Karate Mark. He sent it to me. I want to tell you, my brother, it just slipped my mind. I forgot. I apologize. I'll get it to you on the next episode. So with that being said, Nat, any last words? Score prediction for the Eagles. On Sunday, I told you don't ask me no prediction. I just know they're gonna win. They're gonna win. I don't know what the score is, but they're gonna win. Just because it, it flows with the up and down season. What's your score prediction? Uh, you're calling a win. Last year we all thought they were gonna win and they end up losing. I personally, my brain says they're gonna lose, but screw it. I'll bet. I'll go the other way. I'll go the other way. I'll say they'll win. And you know what? I'll say close game, 28-24. Let's play, let's play like this. I think the line was like one and a half last I saw. Eagles, Eagles covered the line. I'll put it on wax. Eagles covered the line. All right, I'll see them covering the line. All right. That's that. that that's my man, the, the producer extraordinaire, Nat Marlowe, giving you his final thought. My final thought, yo, Sixer fans, we not getting played anymore. We're going to start calling them out and holding them accountable. I'm your man, Big T. Will. That's Nat Marlowe. This is Philly Full Court Press. Hey, yo, Nat, let's ride out.